The reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 20. So if the message that is preached says that Christ has been raised from the dead, then how can some say there's no resurrection from the dead? If there's no resurrection from the dead, then Christ hasn't been raised either. If Christ hasn't been raised, then our preaching is useless and our faith is useless. We are found to be false witnesses about God because we testified against God that he raised Christ. When he didn't raise him, if it's the case, that the dead aren't raised. If the dead aren't raised, then Christ hasn't been raised either. If Christ hasn't been raised, then your faith is worthless. You are still in sins, and what's more, those who have died in Christ are gone forever. If we have hope in Christ only in this life, then we deserve to be pitied more than anyone else. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. His first Oh, he's the first crop of the harvest of those who have died. This is the word of God for the people of God. We continue our series today, One With as we are focusing on church unity while using the prayer that we use to conclude communion. And so today, one in ministry to all the world. So you may ask, what does resurrection have to do with church unity? What does resurrection have to do with even our church, Decatur First? What does resurrection have to do with us, personally? These are really big questions. And I'm either going to disappoint you or relieve you in what I'm about to say. I'm not going to try to explain resurrection because I can't. It's a mystery of our faith and I can't explain it. But what I am going to do is to talk about why resurrection matters. If you've been curious about religion like I have, you may have dabbled or even fully joined another religion in the world. What you may notice is that Christians are not the only religion who preach love for neighbor. We actually inherited that from our Jewish forebears. We aren't unique as Christians in our belief that there is one God. We also aren't unique in our belief that our faith should then guide our actions. We aren't unique in receiving from our religion some framework for handling the vicissitudes of life. What makes us unique is why we exist at all. Of all the world's religions, Christians are unique in that we believe that it is somehow possible for God to raise someone from the dead. We believe that Jesus was dead, was raised, and is still active among us. If you're new to church or new to Christianity, that may sound like crazy talk. Even if you've been around church for a while, it still may sound like crazy talk. I sometimes think of resurrection as like our crazy Uncle Bob. Everybody knows that he's crazy in the family, but just nobody talks about it. To believe that Jesus was crucified, died, and was risen is not a belief founded in reason. It's a belief founded in faith. 
You don't have to know how it works for it to be true. The issue that Paul addressed in his letter to the Corinthians was not if Jesus was resurrected, but if we believe that he was resurrected, what is the implication for how we live our lives? The Corinthians struggled with believing that they too would have a bodily resurrection. And people throughout time have struggled with this possibility. They even struggle with it today. I mean, probably some of us struggle with that today. But I'm not focusing on that. What I want us to think about are the implications of Jesus' resurrection for us now. If Jesus was crucified and resurrected, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for our church? What does that mean for the big C church? And what does that mean for our world? It means that death is not necessarily the end. It means that death may be the transition point to a new existence. The difficulty is that endings, deaths, cause loss. And no one wants to endure the pain of loss. The fear of that very real pain keeps us from accepting the inevitability of endings. To be clear, I'm not just talking about physical death. Everything in life comes to an end. This day, this Sunday, February 17th, will come to an end. Our job someday will come to an end. This school year, this winter season, everything comes to an end. The hope that we have in resurrection is that there is a new beginning on the other side of an end. Our approach to endings then is a testament to the faith that we have in the resurrection. So I'm going to put a pin in that for just a moment. So let that just sit in your mind. Now I want to talk about something else that's tangentially related to resurrection. That's metamorphosis. Did you know that Christians have used the life cycle of the caterpillar to the butterfly to imagine resurrection since the earliest days of our, of our faith? How many of you, though, know what happens inside of a chrysalis? Hands? Okay, one, two, because you, you watched the video with me. Okay. <laughs> Three, okay. So I had no idea, you know, you're, you're in school, even when you, your class will get its little science kit and there's a little chrysalis and you just wait and count the days until the caterpillar has turned into a butterfly. Okay, well, I want to share what I recently learned. When the caterpillar reaches a certain size, it forms a chrysalis. In fact, that hard chrysalis shell thing actually is beneath its skin and the skin kind of splits and it becomes the chrysalis. Okay, that's just the beginning of the weird part. Okay, if you were to open the chrysalis, what you would find is a bunch of goo. What happens when the caterpillar forms the chrysalis is it, is some, it emits some kind of an enzyme and it fully digests itself. So let that sink in, this little wormy thing, and now it's just goo inside of the chrysalis. Somewhere in that goo though, which is made up of fibers and protein and undifferentiated cells, a butterfly begins to form. Now you might think looking just at this goo, that the caterpillar is essentially gone. 
and that what emerges is a completely new creature. But scientists have found that in fact the butterfly retains some of its memory from its life before as a caterpillar. So our Christian ancestors didn't know all of this biology, but they saw what was once a wormy little creature transform into a beautiful creature with wings that could fly around. They had no idea of the absolute mess required to go from one form into another. Which brings me back to resurrection. What if we are not yet butterflies, but in various phases of our metamorphosis? We suffer little deaths every day. Deaths of ideas about ourselves, about others, how the world works, how life works. Deaths of relationships, of institutions. We experience the disorientation, the goo, of loss and of change. What helps to give us hope while in the middle of the goo is the hope that the mess will transform into something new. We hope that a reorientation is coming. This is hope in resurrection. So what does this have to do with church unity? Of course, I had to bring that back, right? I hope that our hope in resurrection helps to give us some perspective on the current state of Decatur First and of our denomination. Y'all, I'm so grateful that you're willing to experience change in this service moving to 945 in a few weeks. Your willingness to move to a new time shows that you believe that God can create something new from who and what we are right now. Now you might have some misgivings and experience some upset when we adjust to the new time. And sorry, it is on Spring Forward Sunday, so it's really gonna feel like 8.45. We're sorry for that. I don't think I realized that when we decided that. But your faith in God is greater than your grief in the midst of change. And my hope for our denomination is that we are in the goo right now. I pray that in this mess of contention and disagreement about human sexuality, that we may face the reality that there's much more in our church's ways of being that are touched by the sin of prejudice and misunderstanding. I pray that we reform into a body that is wholly focused on life transformation and radical welcome in the name of Jesus Christ. When we believe that resurrection is real, we can look at what seems like an absolute mess and have hope that God can make something beautiful out of it. So let's bring this personal. Let's bring it into our own lives. What have you experienced that you thought was utterly going to tear you up? Whatever that thing was, you're still here. Whatever you've experienced that might have hurt, you've survived it. When we experience a difficult ending of something, we grieve. But to heal from that requires that we change. Through our healing, we learn how much pain we can endure. We learn that we need to rely on others to help us through. We realize that we aren't infinitely strong. We gain clarity on what really matters. Usually, after we heal from a loss, we have more compassion and more courage. Our hearts become at once more tender 
and more resilient. We know that everything is temporary, but we take the risk to love anyway. And that's the point of resurrection. We live like we have nothing to lose as long as we're pursuing God's love and sharing it with others. And this kind of faith gives us the courage to endure hardship, to suffer embarrassment, to risk isolation. The story we get in the Bible of Jesus in the tomb is nice and neat, but we don't know what happens inside of that tomb. The difference when we experience our own resurrection is that we know how hard it is to turn from one form into the other. We see our own goo. It is our belief in God as the one who can raise Jesus from the dead that we too can be changed. We too can be raised. We emerge from the goo changed. We know the resurrection is real because we see how our own lives have been changed. We experience life beyond death in our friends and family. We know stories of people who once were dying in addiction and now they're helping others towards sobriety. We know the stories of people who have survived divorce and are now finding their way as singles or are even trying new relationships. We know people who have had to accept a final ending to a dream and they figure out how to grieve their reality and to cultivate new hope. Resurrection living is not easy, but what a beautiful way to live. Resurrection living frees us of so much fear. Resurrection living gives us a new perspective grounded not in statistics or evidence or empirical proof, but in faith that God is actually involved in the world, knitting together some, something new from the remnants of our thoughts, institutions, relationships, and lives. So we come to the table to remember Christ's sacrifice and Christ's victory. We come to this table to remember that which was broken is being made whole in us as we gather. We come to this table for us to be remembered, put back together again with ourselves, with one another, and with God. And with that, let us now come to this table offering our prayers of thanksgiving, remembering what God has done for and among us and what God is calling us to do together. Will you join me in prayer? The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right. And a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through the prophets. You are love. And out of love, you made us in love's image, 
a creation you would call beloved children, but our pride marred our loving likeness and separated us from you and from one another. So you shaped the laws of nature, the course of history, the words of the prophets, and the hope of the nations to restore us to you. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join in their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Planet in the highest, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he is God in flesh, incarnate love, the I am who is one with us, anointed to proclaim a oneness with God and restore our oneness to God. He selflessly surrendered his life to death upon a cross. In his resurrection, he wedded himself to the church, making us one body, fit for kingdom building, whereby all of creation will be restored. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, Jesus took bread, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now with the confidence of children of God, let us join our voices together in the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I'd like to invite forward those who will be helping to serve communion this, I guess, almost afternoon. <laughs> As they're coming forward, just a few words of instruction. Um, these are allergy-free elements. They have been prepared um, such that all of us might physically participate. But this table is ultimately prepared for you by God. 
So if you're here, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, where you've been, you are invited because it is our God who welcomes us.